and welcome to the TOVG podcast. So, Matt, you were just talking about how you wanted to try cocaine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cocaine. The energy drink. Uh, oh, oh, more that. caffeine oh, than a, <laughs> a grande <laughs> at Starbucks, you, supposedly. Uh, had had me it's, thinking you were talking about like chewing the raw leaves of the coca plant for a second. That's what I thought you were talking about. Oh no no no! Those are those are those are fine. Those uh, those make chocolate, don't they? <laughs> uh, is that really their their pitch? More caffeine than a grande at Starbucks? <laughs> no, no, no. When I was I was oh. uh, so I was at work and and I was talking about coffee because everyone drinks it. There's a guy who like lives off of it. Like right. he, he uses it to live. Like it, it might as well be pack fl- IV drip. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he always has like um, those Yetis, you know, filled with coffee, nice and yeah. warm for him. And he was like, "Oh, you ever tried uh, cocaine?" And I was like, <laughs> "And he knows what I'm gonna say. He knows I'm gonna start making jokes." I was like, "What? What? Cocaine? What do you think? Is this the next step up?" And he's like, "No, no, no. It's a drink." And he like shows me, and it's literally like. It's called cocaine, but the letters, the text is actually like powderish. So you know mm. what they're, yeah, yeah you know yeah. what they're referencing. I, I, I looked up cocaine. As it turns out, believe it or not, cocaine was banned. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> oh boy, what a surprise! Yeah, I, I would have loved if he was like, like, have you ever tried cocaine? And then you go through the whole like, oh, it's it's cocaine, haha, joke. And then he pulls out the drink, and it's like water that has cocaine powder mixed into it <laughs> so shortly after the energy drink was released the fda sent a letter to redux demanding that they cease production and the sale of cocaine redux being the company that produces cocaine Ooh, this is primarily due to the drink's glorification of an illegal drug wait you can't ban something for that as well as its high caffeine content the marketing behind the drink didn't help either the drink came with a warning saying the beverage should be consumed only by responsible adults <laughs> It sounds like four loco. Failure to adhere to this warning may result in excess excitement, stamina, fun, and possible feeling of euphoria. But wait, no, isn't that what you want to get out of succeeding? It 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 consuming the beverage as intended. You know, to be fair, um, there was a story in the news last week about a high schooler. I think he was a high schooler, maybe a college kid who died from cocaine overdose and he did not have that uh, cocaine uh caffeine overdose mm-hmm. he did not have that much caffeine it was like an energy drink a coke and a coffee and died so maybe maybe cutting back on the caffeine marketed like cocaine is not a bad idea well it yeah. sounds like what happened is the fda sent them an angry letter and they were uh, like, well, whoops, banned. Cocaine has been banned in 48 continental states. Buy it before it's gone forever. And then just re-released it. So Four loco. So it's the same thing as yeah, Four loco. Wow. By the way, that stuff is not any better than it used to be. In case anybody was wondering out there. <laughs> I had a four, I've had two Four Locos in my life. One was like five years ago, and it was a bad time. One was like a few months ago, and it was... Yeah, pretty much also a bad time. So So, that's my review of Four Loco. How did they get Four Loco, uh, uh, quote unquote, banned? It it was for like combining alcohol and coffee drinks that apparently like isn't allowed in the market. Well, you want to know it's something interesting about that. Mm hmm. We'll get to video games eventually, I suppose, but I'm already on this. So let's just like finish the topic. Um, 
So I was reading an article, I want to say it was sometime last year, maybe like six or so months ago, and it was really fascinating. It showed that a scientific study that was done uh, specifically on vodka Red Bull as a mixed drink, um, they were doing tests to see what the effects on the brain were from like a standpoint of being intoxicated. And they found that the way that the two things combined ingested at the same time affects your brain is basically a slightly lesser version of cocaine like that the drug cocaine wow yeah something about an energy like a pure energy drink mixed with vodka specifically affected the brain in a similar way to taking a hit of cocaine which makes sense when you look back at original four loco which is essentially a fuck ton of hard liquor that has a fuck ton of energy drink in it in a 24 ounce can like that's basically a big ass can of cocaine that you're buying I mean, so i'm assuming that while they may not have known that exactly at the time it was that that thing that made four loco so problematic and i, I think I they ended up getting it banned how realistic because, of an assessment that is because like I, I mean, i've combined hard drinks and coffee before and it basically made me both really energetic and hyper, but also incredibly clumsy. Well, like, it, it, I don't it think it's necessarily like caffeine that... as much as it is what they use for energy drinks specifically. Because, like, you know, you see the, the label on the side of, like, Monster and shit. It has, like, what, like, uh, taurine and a fuck ton of B vitamins <laughs> and a couple other things. Like, it's not just, like, caffeine. Like, it's a it's a cocktail of like energy supplements that are in like gross drink form with way too yeah, much sugar. Yummy. Yeah. With way too much sugar. So I, like, I don't think it was one-to-one like a vodka Red Bull is going to be like a hit of cocaine, but it had similar effects is what they were saying. Well, so, I, I say we make our own drink. So apparently a, according to Coke, <laughs> Uh, cocaine informer <laughs> to caffeine informer. <laughs> caffeine informer. <laughs> caffeine informer. Uh, cocaine is 350% stronger than a Red Bull. So I say get a can of cocaine where it's legal and then get some vodka. Okay, you know? so we're talking about cocaine the drink now. And call it the, the TOVG. Don't, you know no, don't do that. Don't do that. Take the TOVG. Do not do that. <laughs> I really liked those uh, BBWs we had at the restaurant in front of MAGFest. <laughs> oh, boy. The, uh, what was it? Bailey's? So, and, and now banana. that you're drunk, let's get into the announcement. <laughs> okay, well, I was under the impression we were going to do that at the end of the show, but... Um, oh, I thought you said you wanted to do it early. <laughs> Well, with, it's, we're doing it now. Yeah, yeah we're so doing it. <laughs> you, you segued us, so I guess this we is where we are now. From cocaine to like sad news. Now that we've got you, got you guys all warmed up and prepped and settled in. But, but um, I, I guess it's like appropriate that we're also talking about things like work and needing energy drinks and being really busy and 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 losing sleep outside of the podcast because uh, we. We regret to inform you that uh, that that we will be phasing the TOVG podcast out over over the coming weeks. Yeah, um, we've been talking about this for a little while now. 
And it's kind of bittersweet for all of us because we, you know, obviously we're 137 episodes now. I think that's where this one yeah. is. Yeah. We, we've uh, been and it's been a fun ride and we have a great fan base and we have some really shitty, wonderful inside jokes. But um, <laughs> over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be bringing Brush. the TOBG podcast to a, uh, a finite end. Because I think we felt that it would be better to not have one of those slow burns to where it slowly just gets worse and less interesting over time and just cap it off on a good note be like we did this and it was yeah. fun and we're gonna move on to some other stuff what could and go wrong about ending it just as it's getting good <laughs> <laughs> i think it's always been pretty good if i do say so myself yes i don't know i think i think like uh we we hit our stride after like year one and a half i don't know yeah and that, that was already a while ago i because cause this I is think, like the first time yeah. I've done a podcast, and and Same, I, I assume for many of you guys as well. Yeah, for like the first few months, I had no idea what we were doing. I've been around the bush. And and I have a feeling that, <laughs> that it shows if you go back in the records. But yeah, no, like ultimately, we've been doing it for three years. It was it was fun while it lasted, but it's never really, um, you know, it made, made, made a lot of money. So, so... Well, yeah, that, that and... Definitely like, a contributing factor... I think that, and just for, personally, I'm not going to speak for either of you guys, but like, um, just like chatting about games is fun. Doing the news is not as super interesting to me because I feel like there's so many places where people can get news. And like, if people want my hot take, like I tweet about whatever news I care about. I'm so scared of but tweeting like, now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I don't know if I want to continue podcasting, but like, sometimes like something different like i want to do like interviews or maybe like a, like a book club game club kind of thing like going forward and mm -hmm. like i think this opens up time for the rest of us for all, all three of us to like make those kind of leaps if we want to yeah i have silly plans for the next year and i i wouldn't have yeah. been able to keep it going another year anyway to accommodate for those yeah. But, um, hey, speaking of being afraid of tweeting, remember how uh, we were talking about digital storefronts and how Destiny 2 is launching on, uh, I guess it's technically now Activision Blizzard, because now we got reminded of it, because Destiny 2 is launching on Blizzard's platform for PC. Let's just skip straight to the news. Right, right. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm okay. doing. And, and I right, tweeted saying something that basically amounts to Origins Not That Bad. And that yeah. was like an hour ago, and ever since then, I've just been like having these horrible images in my head of people like framing that tweet and putting it on their wall of George is stupid, because <laughs> like Origin's you know not what? that bad. I stop. Origin's not that bad. Origin was bad. Yeah. Origin's pretty all right now. It's like at worst, current Origin is like just okay. Free but, games. Yeah, they free do a games. lot of giveaways. They started refunds way before steam ever did and and i think that was a big contributing factor to steam eventually getting prodded into and kind of sort of forced into providing yeah. refunds themselves not only that but um they have that what is it origin ea access pass or something where it's like six bucks a month and you get access to like a hundred of their games right yeah and then, and then and when you play them and like, get bored of them just cancel it and you've spent like yeah. thirty dollars on a hundred good games yeah like there are a lot of great short single player games available on that. And I know like I'm not I, I don't know where I stand on games as service, but like if there's a game that you're going to play once and never going to pick it up again and it's on that, 
and you pay six bucks for one month and you play that game and finish it, yeah. it's already gotten its worth. It's because just, that used to be a $60 game and now you just put, spent six bucks to play that's it. That's not like, the deal great. they're going to want to offer you. They're going to want to offer you a game that you can keep playing for a year, if not more, like Destiny. Or Battlefront. <laughs> um, or or <laughs> Battlefield 1. Or Battlefront 2. Oh my god. Star Wars TM colon Battlefront TM 2 TM. But yeah, there's been a lot of talk this week. Polygon had this uh, article going up that was trying really hard to be really incriminating uh. about how evil Valve has gotten. Which, you know, is like technically true. I guess the flip side of that coin is like, yeah, it's a company. They're kind of expected to be evil. The flip side of that com- coin is maybe we accept companies predictably being evil too easily. The flip side of the other coin, though, is that... When you have competition in the marketplace, even if it comes at the consumer's inconvenience of having multiple stores installed, the individual stores themselves will generally get better trying to compete for those those precious, precious installs, which is why Origin's not that bad right now. It might get bad in yeah. the future if they get lazy and start making enough money to get lazy, because that's how business in a capitalist society works. You, you try yeah, really but... hard to make money for a while. Then when you figure out how to do the most, the least amount of labor for the most amount of money, you start learning how to cut corners until all of a sudden you got to try hard again when competition picks back up. So what's Uplay's excuse then? Uplay, I was just thinking about that. Oh. Uplay's like the the exception to the rule. Like they try... Uplay's just garbage, garbage, garbage. They're trying so hard. Ubisoft is trying so hard to launch their own store to market their own Ubisoft exclusives with, but they're like trying 0% to make it any good compared to the others. Like uh, all, all of them have their own quirks. Like Origin has a, a whole bunch of freebies and giveaways and a, a couple of years I mean, you ago. You could try refunds. new games for free. Like you yeah. could try Battlefield 1 for yeah. 10 hours. Yeah. Like what uh, the hell? Steam is like old rooted, obviously has the largest library and the largest market share of them all. Like like uh, amazing features and, and even now hardware support if you like hook it up with a Steam link or the Steam controller. And um also now has has a refund program that like almost sort of functions as a as a demo trial program. Um GOG has weird-ass old DOS games that no one else would bother to figure out the licensing for, packages them into, like, DOS box launchers to uh, emulate stuff that, like, the other markets really never really bothered with. They also have the best versions of The Witcher games and the cheapest versions. And uh, there's also some little indie storefronts, um, like uh, Itch.io. Itch.io. And and what was... uh, There's another one that uh, I think... um, Starfront, Starforce, Sins of a sure. Solar Empire. It's it's the company that made that game. They founded their own. I can barely remember it. It was it was a bigger deal for a couple years ago, but mm-hmm. they uh, basically struck better deals with with smaller indie devs to uh, kind of sort of create the early access market that Steam jumped on. Meanwhile, you play the defining you feature. Has of you the play crew. is that it's shit. It has the crew. <laughs> It has your favorite game from 2007. They're making the a sequel to The Crew. and Oh, yeah. Uh, let me just mm. fucking... I guess we're just talking news now. We'll just Wait. we'll just talk about our games after the break. But <laughs> fucking okay. e- Ubisoft's lineup for E3 is the most predictable, boring, safe, and just unnecessary thing this year. Have you guys seen it? 
They got the crew too. <laughs> they have the Electric crew, Boogaloo. Assassin's Creed, Assassin's South Creed Park Origins. Is pro- like of all the oh, subtitles, God. of all the sequel numbers, they don't even do sequel <laughs> numbers for Assassin's Creed anymore. The last one was number four, which I think came out in 2012, right? That was Black Flag, which is apparently the best one. So I guess they just decided mm. to stop that once it was getting good too. But yeah, Ubisoft, I, I saw this like Facebook trend and it was like, Ubisoft lineup announced for E3 and I clicked on it and I was like, oh, so it's everything we've already seen, but the next, no. the next one. Like, I, I don't care. I, I, I have not played the crew since they have updated it and expanded it. I have heard they've made it much better and it always had potential. The thing is, that's the trap of like the bad Ubisoft sandbox game. Like they got a good idea, like a cool, unique setting and and end up making oh, f- the same game from two years ago out of it. Right. Speaking of that, uh, Far Cry was mm. the other one. Far Assassin's Cry, Creed, the crew, Far Cry, and and I, South Park. And I, I think South Park is the only interesting addition that they have this year. I have like, read a bit about Far Cry, and and it got a little interesting. The speculation is that it's going to be a neo western cops and robbers thing taking place mm. in the middle of nowhere in Montana, kind of like. Uh, no country for old men where where you have right. i don't know it, it's like weird thinking of, of 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 a cops and robbers battlefield hardline kind of setting translating to to westerns but i don't know like weren't westerns uh, sheriffs and bandits you know yeah i could i could see that. Yeah. that that might be that might be all right as long as they don't do any like racist native american shit in it they'll be fine <laughs> the like the kicker though is that like of all the settings they picked they're like all right modern day montana in the middle of nowhere which if the rumors turn out to be true could be both equally like it's almost brave bold and avant-garde and how boring of a setting that is <laughs> like like far, far cry, cry 6 napoleon Wyoming. dynamite like but but at the same time that's like so weird and out there and and anti-marketable that i'm like yeah you go get them you far cry team whichever one you are these days because the far cry games have always been like a little quirky with their choice of settings like like starting with uh blood dragon they're like oh if if neo 80s cyberpocalypse shitty cartoon movie and then uh you have far cry primal taking place in like the freaking stone age and and just like quote unquote caucus europe uh far cry 4 was like a weird setting itself like hey let's have you run around the mountains of nepal feeling enlightened with tibetan bunks while 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 killing everything blow up everything yeah which is another reason why (laughs) montana would be kind of weird because because you usually like want want a sandbox action game in a setting where there's not a large civilian or police presence to make the player (laughs) blowing everything up be weird but Montana is like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever done cross-country trips across the United States, but there's really, like, nothing between, b- between like, the Mississippi River and the Rocky Mountains. There's there's a whole yeah, lot of places where Plains. people can get away with whatever they want. And and that's, like, kind of the, the beauty of it. Like, like the, the true the American beauty. freedom is, is in the middle oh. of nowhere where you can just get away with whatever weird shit you want and no one can do anything like, about it. The land is, like, I'm so cheap out about there. It. You can't. Yeah. Just because... You can't stop be anyone. the main character of the new Resident Evil game like that real quick. <laughs> I'm on the fence just because the Great Plains seems like a kind of 
boring place for a Far Cry because I, I feel like the environment is such a big part of those games and like Tibetan cliffs and mountains is like a cool place. I, I, maybe I'm just like maybe it's just like post Breath of the Wild. Yeah, but like well, Western Montana I feel like having is pretty. some sort of verticality. Western Montana oh, has like right. a little bit of Yellowstone in it. You uh, <laughs> start to get like a little bit of the rolling topography that turns into the the Rocky Mountains, but. But okay, eastern Montana, I, like, there's a lot of of just a flat nothing. line of the horizon, and that's it. Sounds like Fresno. <laughs> oh, burp, burp, burp. That's a SoCal joke. I've been to Shout the train to station of Fresno. It, it seemed okay. It's probably exactly like everything else <laughs> yeah. in Fresno. Well, oh, I thought you were about to say, like, every other whatever city in the U.S. No, it's... Fre- Fresno's an interesting thing because... It's like, you know how, you know how we call most of like, like the, I don't know how to how nicely word it, but like we call part of America of the United States, the South. Yeah. And that kind of brings up imagery in your head yeah. of like, sort of like, oh, Matt knows you know, all about Western, the South. Right. Like you guys are in Georgia. You're in the South, like Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, all that. Like, And once you, you leave the cities, you really are in the South. Yeah. Right. The funny thing about California is that the south of California is, like, the most populated, city-rich, like, liberal area, and then you go up to Fresno, and you're like, oh, this is where all the south went. Like, that's actually south, but it's north. I don't know. That's kind of how uh, Florida is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, when you go up north, it's just like... Like Swamp. away from Miami or near Tampa and stuff, that's when it starts getting a little weird. It's like a to- yeah. totally different people from Miami to near Tampa, Jacksonville, and all that. You know, totally different people. If Far Cry Five does take place in Yellowstone National Park, they're probably not going to have you like shoot and skin a bunch of wild animals to upgrade your backpack. Oh no. <laughs> It would be pretty funny if they did, though. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea of them making a, like, AAA high-octane gangland sandbox <laughs> Far Cry game take place in Montana is, like, already kind of funny. But that's that's always how I get roped into this trap. And also because <laughs> they have a the very, very generous uh, review code distribution uh threshold yeah. you, you don't gotta be that popular to get all the big ubisoft games yeah because the more the more review codes they push out that means the more free you play installs they get <laughs> that, so wait instead of trying to be generous to the end consumer by giving their store like really good bargains and deals and freebies and giveaways and exclusives they just give youtubers a shitload of review codes Yep. Thus getting those Uplay installs on the reviewers' computers instead of everyone else. Yep, yep. (laughs) Is Ubisoft's primary demographic just, like, moderately successful YouTube reviewers? Oh, boy. What a world. Uh, what have we been playing? I was gonna say, speaking of reviews, Matt Visual, what video games have you been playing this week? Whoa, I'm first. Uh, okay, well... This is how it started. Uh, Jimmy okay. got me back into Critical Role, 
and I have been digesting massive amounts of of Matt Mercer and and Laura and (laughs) just all the voice actors and um it's been great and I've been wanting to satisfy first I've been looking for a game just to have on the side while I'm something to unwind after a hard work day and you know in between edits and um I got real. I like. I wanted something like Dungeons and Dragons, mm. and uh, last week I said to George, uh, w- "You know, Wasteland Two or Pillars," and he was like, "Pillars, Pillars, 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 mm-hmm. Pillars, 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 Pillars." I've been playing <laughs> Pillars a lot. A lot okay. of. Lot, I, However, I was like, "Okay, you you're in ten more mode. minutes. Ten more minutes," and then an hour passes by so quickly, and it, yeah. it's not. It's not like, okay, like it, when I first played Pillars, uh, I think you remember, George, I, I was like, ah, this is uh, the voice, the voice acting is so, not voice acting, but like the words are thick because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the voice acting is, uh, is good, but they're not, it's not there. It's there sometimes for characters and even for that care, for those characters, there's a lot of texts that are not read out loud either. Yeah, so you, you have a lot. Yeah, like you, you have to read like the voice. You can't depend even on like, um, you know, those main characters to be voiced all the time because they won't like in the same dialogue, um, uh, I guess, conversation. I can't believe like this is half of it won't be voice acted. I like that better than voice acting. I would rather read. I see. I do. I, I, I can't say I would say. A year from before, I was like, "Oh, I, I prefer voice acting." But for some reason, this one it, it really wants you to read, and you get more from it when you read it uh, because there's it, they they kind of kind of like a book how they illustrate like what the character's doing. Oh, he kind of yeah. like don't you know when when a dungeon um, master is explaining someone what they're doing with their hair and and what how they're looking and when the where they're pointing and, and, and all whatever, these little details it, whatever it really you imagine is going to look and sound more interesting than like exactly. an asset they build on a budget real quick because that's what yeah. they got to do for a kickstarter game that's like why i like the direction they took especially for those storybook scenes where they like show you a, a black and white basic sketch of what your character is doing it's then so describe it with dragons. words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's like your skill checks in this game. And I think that was like a brilliant way to make the adventure feel versatile. And uh, like like your character can climb a wall or swim under a rock, even though that's not part of the player's control scheme. They they just display a dialogue box with a choice that gives you a skill check to do those actions. That's I thought that was really cool. It, and the voice acting like almost takes away from that. The you know, the the you, you end up listening to it. Instead of reading those grayed out texts to actually explain what the character is doing um, <laughs> while they're saying these words, I, this is literally this is exactly what I wanted when I wanted something close to Dungeons and Dragons. This is exact like oh, yeah. for the same explanations that you said as well. And there's like dice rolls going on in the background as often with these types of games, um, you know, will saves and stuff like that. Um, and like, so when you're doing skill checks, uh, if someone has a low amount of, you know, um, acrobatics, uh, if they roll wrong, they break, they spring their ankle or something like that. And, you know, they take like a a minus 10 to accuracy. Like it's literally like Jimmy, 
There's yeah. Matt Mercer and uh, Sam, um, Liam. They're all in this. <laughs> Not all of them, but a ton of them are in this. Like, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, wow, okay. Wait a minute, that, that sounds so familiar. And I look up the list and there's like half of the people that are on Critical Role are actually in this. And I'm like, wow, how did this end up? So I've been totally just enjoying the oh, game. Right. And, um, is this Critical I, Role like a podcast or something? It, you George. explain, Jimmy. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll just quick overview if you don't know what Critical Role is. It's um, a, a eight voice actors get together and they play Dungeons and Dragons every week and it's been ongoing for a long time. It's a live stream they do on Geek and Sundry. Uh, um, I see. Matt now. Mercer is the DM and there are uh, just like if you've played a video game with voice acting, chances are you've heard at least one of the voices that is the other players of the game. Gotcha, gotcha. And yeah. it's really fun. See, like yeah. when you said Critical Role, I, I thought that meant that you were taking a critical stance like nah. like you were adapting jimmy's <laughs> newfound critical role as no no it's as someone it's who hates fun all of a sudden no 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 <laughs> it, I, anyways gotcha sorry it's um confusion also cleared. like it, it, i didn't like um certain parts of divinity original sin right because I, I really wanted to get into one of these games because i see them i would love to play them but i just i just it, 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 I see them as time consuming at, mm -hmm. at some point and Very I see them based. like, I just don't want to, I don't, uh, I, I rather, I rather just, just don't play them and just don't start them. And I, I remember starting Divinity Original Sin with the wife and it was great, but man, five hours, like finding a quest for like 20 to 30 minutes of content. Like it's not, it's, it doesn't feel good. And it's not in this day and age where I don't have time like that. It just like it puts me off in pillars. You don't have that problem. It, it could be because the places are a lot smaller. It's like a lot tighter. Uh, the maps are. Even the cities are kind of split apart. Uh, so when you walk by something, you, 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 your brain takes in more details of the surrounding area than it just being this big blob with a bunch of people around that, you know, won't help you in this quest or whatever like that. And, and there's no like quest marker. But for some reason, I can. Well, obviously, I know the reason, but like for some reason, I can find the quest that I need to go to. Because they at least say, okay, this is the keep. This is um, where all the knights are. This is, you know, where the church is. They lay out just enough um, in a small map. You know so you what can I, actually get to those areas. That and might then, have happened. You yeah. might have developed an instinct for this after playing the first two Fallout games. Because I remember that was something you complained about. You are like, I can't find the quest givers in this pile of, of NPC sprites. Until in you Fallout like, too. yeah, started noticing that like they might be placed in like like away from the crowd or like behind a desk or something like like in some part of the map that would imply a position of authority. See, the thing is, and I played Divinity Divinity Original Sin after I played Fallout Two, so I enjoyed games like that. But I felt like in Divinity, at least in the first town, it just didn't feel right like it didn't maybe maybe i just wasn't um 
in the mood <laughs> to walk around and talk to every single person. Cause when you do, you're like, you, you, you're sitting there for a long period of time, just like going through all of this, you know? And you know, all of it is voice acted and it's just like a long period. It's great. It, it's a rich world, but then you're like, okay, I really want to finish this one quest and I'm trying to figure out how to finish this one quest. And then you're, you're, you're filling my quest log with all these people. At some point it gets a little bit too much. I would say it. it, And I don't know. I, I I could go, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try it out again and see if I learned a lot from playing pillars to play divinity. Cause I would really love to finish divinity uh, before the second one come out. And I'm definitely going to finish pillars because that game is great. Yeah. Pillars I, it, was it's, like it's great. Legit. One of my favorite games of that year. And I also like love how hyperbolically positive my review sounds. Cause I was, <laughs> I was playing that before a whole lot of other reviews came out before there was like really a consensus to gauge myself off of. There were like zero expectations other than this was being pitched as a Kickstarter product to fill a niche that, that had not been satisfied by me for some time. And, and a lot of people were a lot warmer on it than I am, but I still have like extremely fond memories of going through that. Like there's one segment in the middle where I was just like so happy with how they laid out the, the challenge of, of the gameplay of the dungeon I was going through that I just like had to get out of my seat and pace around the apartment over like how excited I was that they did it right. And, uh, that was, that, that was a good two weeks, even though the game, like, is still really, really slow paced and big, which which is something that like you'd think would not fit modern day George preferences. The thing is, like none of those side quests are are bad side quests. They're like really good. Yeah. And uh, they're not go fetch the thing or turn in the certain amount of things. They're like go to a little cave with an interesting story driving your way there with a twist ending at the end of it that may give you a cool new companion character who will follow you through the rest of the game kind of side and those quest. are always a surprise like meeting a companion character you're like oh wait yeah a they, they don't show up in places you would expect them to they're they are oftentimes in the crowd oh and, and there's that one guy who has like some of the most hilarious dialogue ever i think his name was like it wasn't durante that's the dark souls modern there's but it was similar Edir, there's uh a lot uh who's who's the angry druid who curses durance oh no i haven't met him yet uh you're you're gonna <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, I think that's you're gonna the get a kick out of him because I, I think i've collected every single person that i, I was there how many characters durance. did i because i've collected a lot um i suppose it was is there more than nah. i think there are six companions my yeah, yeah, memory okay, is fuzzy so though I, yeah, I collected and, and quite you can, a lot. Like, go to the tavern and recruit your own custom druids and have an entire party of bears if you want. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I I gotta say though, for people who get into this, like, be warned. Like, the game kicks your ass, man. Like, it, that was one of the things where I I never really into these this type of combat because um, I never really. I don't understand how they built the mechanics. So, and then no one really handholds you. No one really teaches you any. There's no tutorials mm-hmm. that really teach you like the advanced stuff because the basic stuff doesn't get you anywhere. So you really got to yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you got to you got to hit your head to the wall. I, I think I know what you're talking about. For you to they, get these combos right, they because do you got to pause. Assume that that you uh, 
like are coming off of the old Baldur's Gates going into this. But you also played through the Dragon Age games, which means you might ner- learn a lot of the like advanced techniques, like aggroing enemies into circles forever. Yeah. Uh, like you're supposed to do that with a lot of a lot of the encounters, like like kind of setting up little lines of of casters while while your warriors don't necessarily engage enemies so much as just keep them running in place. Uh, but I, I remember also liking that combat. It had a nice strategic layer to it. It was just uh, a lot of the dungeons in the game were really spammy with enemies. And I, I yes, did not bother to get to the bottom of many dungeons because of it. Like it was just kind of kind of copy pasting enemies past certain layers. But on the on the on the surface level of this game, there's like a lot of great a lot of great questing and dungeon crawling to be had. There's just a few optional dungeons that go on way too deep and are packed way too thick with with mobs. In in the end, I I probably I probably prefer action stuff or maybe like I really enjoy like fire emblem type combat like that that I'll be fine for for tactical stuff. But this like this is like I don't know, man. I don't know if I could fully fully be like I'm gonna play on hard and I'm gonna beat it. I don't <laughs> think I would be able to get to that tier at all. No, but just, the story just normal. Yeah, the story is great. Um, and that's what leads me through. Um, and of course, I I would love to see in part two to have better character um, models because they're not so good. Ooh, have you uh, seen the Wasteland 2 reveal trailer? Uh, no, actually. Compared to Wasteland 1, they really, really stepped their game up. I mean, technically that is Obsidian, but they're also following a similar path of, of hey let's get a bunch of old 90s rpg developers who are old and crackly now to to make a game again on crowdfunding oh whoops it turned out way more successful than we were expecting now let's toss out the big bucks for good graphics in the sequel oh i thought it i thought it was wasteland 2 that they came out with yeah they wasteland 2 got funded on fig I think. Yeah. And uh, they, they had a very, very impressive demo of characters in Wasteland 1 who would be like low poly isometric models they wouldn't even want to show you unless the camera was zoomed out 14 feet away. In Wasteland 2, they have like fully animated facial expressions on like pop up uh, windows that close up with with like beautiful particle weather effects uh, processed across the screen. Although Pillars, I freaking loved its backgrounds. Character oh, models are just like whatever, but the backgrounds are drop dead gorgeous seeing yeah, pre-rendered yeah, those, those quality graphics nowadays is is really stepping things up to another notch yeah, but part two is looking really really good so i i don't mind finishing this up and then seeing part two with like great i mean this stuff came out like wasteland 2 came out in 2014 and uh, pillars came out in 15 like i i don't expect anything too crazy especially with crowdfunding but yeah no. Yeah, yeah. So, I would love to see up like a mod, well, you know, upgrade. I'm, I'm, I'm real happy you're enjoying one of my favorite modern games. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad I gave a second chance because I've been doing that lately, giving giving things a second chance to see if I really just just don't like some <laughs> certain games because I think my taste change rapidly. Yeah, it, it is. A state uh, it depends of mind. on what I'm in the mood for, and I, right now I'm just really in the mood for something like Pillars. Um, and just reading everything and stopping the next guy who's, you know, at the street corner and they're like, oh, my 
children is a hollow born and my son is missing. Oh, what can I do? I can't search for them. And, and I'm like, don't worry, ma'am. I'll help you. And then I go and then there's like, it releases like this crazy plot that, you know, it's with a, 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 mo- a noble and pff, it's so it's so good. It's good. It's good. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I know which quest you're talking about and that <laughs> yes, anyways exactly. i don't want to spoil it but it, it follows you throughout the game oh wow yeah yeah mm. choice choice and consequence uh mm. so so how about you jimmy what, what choices and consequences have you been dealing with lately um so since <laughs> last week all i've really been playing has been uh more binding of isaac uh to which i realized that uh, the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth is not the most recent expansion to the game. I was because there's actually the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, oh which is God. another expansion. So, so we that have is Rebirth, Afterbirth, and then Afterbirth and Plus. Afterbirth Plus. Okay, which is it's not like wow. Afterbirth Plus is like another expansion that costs money. So I just didn't even know it existed, and also it's kind of hard to find on the page. Like if you go to Afterbirth Plus, it only prompts you to buy a bundle. But in a way where it's like, if you buy this bundle, you'll save zero dollars because you already have the other two things. But there's no just like purchase Afterbirth Plus button, which is weird. But um, so, yeah, last time I said that Afterbirth is just like a great expansion. And if you like Binding of Isaac, you'll just like it. I don't know if I completely stand by that. Um, They added a lot of garbage items, which is like a part of of roguelites right is like you have to have trash otherwise every run is going to be fucking godlike but i feel like with afterbirth binding of isaac has been officially pushed over into the realm of games that require a cheat sheet or a wiki in order to fully enjoy oh, does that make sense yes Damn. like uh like minecraft for example where like I suppose that people could have fun jumping into Minecraft and trying to figure it out. In fact, I think a lot of people would enjoy that. I think a majority of people, myself included, jump into Minecraft and they're like, all right, what the fuck have they added since the last thing? And and you're like, oh, uh, fucking enchantment table. Like, you would never figure out that recipe unless you had the wiki open. Nope. Or unless you just, like, sit there with every material and meticulously place things in the crafting table. There's a careful balance to strike, but I like it when games like that make you feel like you're kind of on an old world adventure of, like, cracking open the library work, (laughs) doing your detective work as you you track down the the mystery. Yeah. But, But there's some... Sometimes when like games are too cryptic for their own good and the wiki becomes more of a hindrance than uh, like standing in for the modern day version of the Nintendo Power Strategy Guide next to your TV. Right. And I don't necessarily think that that makes them bad games, but like I had a good first like hour or so with Afterbirth and then I started getting bad run after bad run after bad run. And it was just like. I felt like everything was always against me and all the stuff that I had come to know about the game was very much like no longer helping me out. And then I talked with buddy Youngtown because he plays Afterbirth a lot and he was like, yeah, I don't know. I get good runs all the time. Just maybe give it a second try. And so I talked to them a bit and I was like, yeah, I'll give it a second try. I'll use the the community made perfect cheat sheet, platinumgod.co.uk. 
which just has all the items in a big list and you can see exactly what they do um, with like stats and uh, synergies between other items and everything. So I popped that open on second monitor and I started playing a bit slower, a bit more like, all right, here's an item I've never seen. What the fuck does it do? I'm checking it. And I started having a lot more fun and getting a lot more consistently good runs, like win streaks and everything. But like, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure how much I enjoy that. And also, I think a lot of the additions in Afterbirth are like, well, this is an enemy that has kind of a bullshit thing and a really big health bar. And like, I feel like a lot of the Afterbirth enemies that they added are just like, yeah, it, it's just... It's like an enemy that you already knew, but it has a bigger health bar and it kind of does a bullshit thing. And I'm like, all right, oh, I guess. So so just bumping it up a tier in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kind of like, you know, there's like all the enemies in Isaac look the, look generally the same. So describing one would be hard in specific, but there's like the bloated enemies that run away from you and hide in the corner. And like when you kill them, usually there's like three smaller enemies that pop out of them. There's... Ones in Afterbirth that spawn, like, double hard versions of, like, the little slugs that run at you. And those already take too many hits to kill when you're in, like, floor one and two. But then when you kill the spawner one, it, like, two or three of them pop out of it. So you spend, like, a good two or three minutes in one room just, like, you know, shooting the your shitty half-damaged tears to kill this one thing. And I think... People are right when they say that Isaac has a really slow startup, and that's what is kind of off-putting about it. If you don't get like a good item on floor one, it just really doesn't feel fun to go any farther into the game. Um, I don't know. I'm enjoying it, but I'm only enjoying it because I have the cheat sheet open. Uh, if I didn't have that, I'd probably stop playing it. Damn. Nah, well, I mean, you keep remaking the same game over and over again. Eventually, you're going to hit that point, right? Yeah. Apparently there's a, a huge community mod called Anti-Birth that is like, it doesn't work with Afterbirth. It's like, you have to disable Afterbirth so you can play it with just Rebirth. But like, apparently a lot of people are saying that's a better like, solution because Afterbirth added a lot of community built items uh, into the official game. And Anti-Birth is basically a lot of those same items, but minus a lot of the bullshit. Watch the next so. Binding of Isaac game be called like BOI or something. Or Binding of Isaac 1. <laughs> Isaac. Yeah, just Isaac. Yeah. How does, how does this game keep c coming out? Like, I'm one of those guys who totally never played it, watched a couple videos on it, maybe, and just keep hearing about it. Like, is it like, that? Like, what's what's the tie? Well, I don't get it. It's basically the, the standout roguelite. Like, mm. I don't know. It's... It's weird because it is such an off-putting game to look at because it's all poop and blood and really dark humor. So it's surprising that it has such a huge fan base. But like, I don't know. I really enjoyed Rebirth when it came out. I played like 100 hours of the original Flash version and like 100 plus hours of Rebirth. So damn, it's fun, but you definitely have to learn some really awkward off-screen mechanics and you have to build up this compendium of items that you like and don't like in your head because literally one item can ruin a whole fucking run if you get like the tiny planet or something and you're not expecting it you could just get completely yeah. fucked 
And, and you kind of like uh, only learn through failure, which is why I think it never managed to bite me. It was how like you'll see an item pop up and there'll just be no description for it. The yeah. only way to figure it out is to pick it up and then you know if it's good or not. And the thing is, is I don't necessarily think that's a bad way to do it because that's how a lot of roguelites work. It's just that Isaac's startup is so slow that if you get 20 minutes into a run, you've passed the 10 minutes that were shitty and the 10 minutes that were okay. And then you get in a run ending item and you're like, well, all right, great. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It was pretty fun, but you need the thing. I, I said all my words. <laughs> yeah, you worded out. Yeah. Uh, I played a, um, a quote unquote walking simulator called What Remains of Edith Finch. There are a lot about this one. Yeah, apparently it's mm. got really high marks, which makes sense because it's really freaking good. Oh, okay. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how to sum it up really well without spoiling so i'll just get my page of notes out and say that uh basically what what you have here starts off as as like the usual uh uh gone home sort of shtick first person uh interactive walking simulator uh, i i don't know why why these things aren't called exploration games more often because one thing i noticed is that when i was going through this like all of uh, almost all of the enjoyment is gleaned from from the thrill of seeing a new thing underneath <laughs> a pile of clutter like uh people people will happily call breath of the wild an exploration game because because half the fun is the thrill of seeing what's what's around that next mountain peak and and it seems like these games have always uh hit a similar part of of the id just reversing the scale to uh the excitement of seeing what's underneath the pile of clutter inside a house so you have your lovingly detailed house a uh bunch of dialogue written with like scribbly handwriting font because apparently that's a thing in these these quote-unquote young adult games these days and a uh very very well-paced, well-written, well-told, emotionally impacting story that gets you thinking about real-life shit instead of fake video game shit. And I've I've always really appreciated that. Um, one thing that, that it does is very, very frequently breaks you out of that FPS mode to um, instead turn it into a kind of minigame-esque uh, control gimmick experience that's still told from the first person perspectives of the characters it's hard to describe but if you saw it in motion you might uh know what i'm talking about immediately like instead of having your your body be moved around with the wsad keys in your head with the um <clears throat> mouse you might open up a, a scrapbook and be transported back to the past through a flashback scene told entirely from the lens of a camera of a character holding the camera WSAD suddenly do nothing, but every time you point the camera at a piece of scenery and click to take a picture of it, you will hear a character's thoughts on what they just took a picture of. While mm. in the house of your character looking through this photo scrapbook, the camera will zoom out from the actual screenshot of the photograph you took, flip the page over into the next scene of you getting ready to frame the next photograph while characters talk about the stuff you're pointing your camera at. 
it does this really, oh. really interesting thing where the the typical observe button of like walking up to a piece of scenery and pressing an exam button is now happening just by crosshair placement. Like if you roll your crosshair over stuff, characters will start talking about that stuff. And uh, depending on how and when your crosshair rolls over stuff in the environment, that um, plays into the pacing of the story. And and that's mm. really freaking cool. There's a lot of really, really cool scripting tricks like this. One of the things I've never been able to see, uh, I've noticed I never saw before in a game was a flipbook animation of like an actual mm -hmm. 3D modeled flipbook where where hundreds upon hundreds of frames are um of of paper that the character is like bending with their fingers are actually creating a flipbook animation with textures on those polygons itself. I'd really like to know the trick behind how they got to animate that. So um yeah. it's it's funny because the animation on this animation budget on this game is like super duper slim. They 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 roll into that all too familiar problem of everything in the game looks fine except human characters who look awful. <laughs> But oh. there's a lot of really, really great animation and scripting tricks going on with inanimate objects that is probably going to create some like fun behind the scenes Gamma Sutra article reading later on. But I mean, until then. Uh, so, yeah, I guess if <laughs> if you know how hard making games is, you're going to get a kick out of the cool things they're able to accomplish with this. But but in the meantime, if you're not, you still got a nice, fuzzy, warm, emotional story. You know, one thing I do want to ask you guys, if you can think of any recent examples of um, games that composted 3D scenes of gameplay within an overlay that looks like a comic book. Oh, it's so hard to describe. But if you saw it happen in uh, motion, you'd know what I'm talking about. Like imagine a comic book being on the screen with one frame of the comic being controlled by the player and another frame of the comic being controlled by the player at the same time, just with like your other hand. No, I cannot mm. think of anything that sounds even remotely like that. Yeah. Like, then again, I don't play a lot of modern games, like especially not AAA or big budget or anything. So like, have you guys uh, played I, uh, the masterpiece by, by the art, <laughs> the, the artisan auteur, David Cahe, no. Uh, called uh, in, in Indigo Prophecy, otherwise known as Fahrenheit. Of course. I've never played anything by David You King. remember course, all those man. split He's screen scenes of of the, the screen <laughs> splitting in half with one character like walking towards a room where you're trying to scramble to hide a body on the other half of the screen? Right. Uh, what I'm trying to think up of is li like literally any other game that would have you control both characters at the same time while the screen is split down the middle between their two perspectives. And, uh, and I, I can't and like that's the new ground that this thing breaks like really cool scripting uh, tricks that, that evolve into cool control method tricks that's um, hmm. all, all framed within like the typical gone home walking simulator exploration game pastiche that took off in 2012 i believe this project was started in 2012 so you can definitely see an inspiration uh following down the lines there but but like the production values and um like like the sheer impressiveness of a lot of stuff they're able to accomplish on this engine is is just on a whole nother level as 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 well as i uh kind of story situation that i'm sure a lot of a lot of people will will resonate with stronger Mm. Mm. it was really cool well i'm glad that that what you're enjoying it i mean i'm it's interesting to see more quote-unquote walking sims coming out with different interesting things in them and i haven't heard 
a lot of the same Dear Esther, Gone Home, etc. backlash for Edith Finch. Right. So Yeah, but you know, that doesn't that means it's doing something kind of right. Happen that much these days anymore. Like, I think I remember I think the they, last... I think people got bored of it. They yeah. got bored of being mad being about, about so something else now. Because yeah. those yeah. games still come out. Like, uh, people... I don't know. Gone Home and the Stanley Parable came out around the same time. There was a lot of backlash against Gone Home from people who, like, felt it was pandering or for, like, having gay characters and, and yeah. not really being about supernatural, exciting video game adventures. Whereas uh, Stanley Parable plays very, very similarly. The themes it tackles are are probably much more familiar and, and relatable to a lot of video game players. But let's see, since then, yeah. uh, Davey Raiden also made The Beginner's Guide. I don't remember anyone getting mad at that. Uh, uh, people got a little... I remember there being an interesting type of backlash because The Beginner's Guide was kind of like... Wasn't it like infringing on on privacy of somebody yeah Didn't we talk about that yeah i i guess it's slight spoilers with that but oh, yes yeah. it, it is uh he the the story he's showing a, he's talking about a guy that he knows um that made games and he's he like attached all of them together mm-hmm and tells you yeah. the story about this guy through the games that he made uh not not the guy obviously that's narrating but the guy he's talking about and the guy who actually made the games uh it's very yeah, there's some very controversy. interesting um Man. i mean that in comparison though like firewatch and the vanishing of ethan carter like kind of oh, came out that, without a hitch yeah. Uh, let's see. There were a lot of people who didn't like um, that dragon cancer for the obvious like argument, like "Oh, you're exploiting a child dying from cancer to make a video game." Um, I'm going through the list on Steam, and hilariously, someone has tagged Operation Flashpoint as a walking simulator. <laughs> I mean, people Flash. fucking people tagged uh, the witness as a walking oh, sim. Yeah, yeah. No, the witness, I, I would not. How? Yeah, it's how the <laughs> hell would you do that? Because you're walking around, and that's the only thing you do. You just look at puzzles. <laughs> walking sim, SJWs, gay agenda. <laughs> Dummies would classify that as a walking simulator because they're not solving any puzzles because they're so stupid. Oh, oh sorry. Quake. So when I was a kid, I would make maps <laughs> in the uh, the Quake 3 Radiant level editor back when I was making maps for Jedi Academy. And You mean walking simulators? Yeah, yeah, half the time they would just be like full of in-jokes and secret little Easter eggs that people found fun to explore in and that's I don't know. I never. Wow, George. Never really <laughs> ruining the games industry. This whole just this like whole your Witcher. politics out of my game. Little circle of backlash never occurred to me because I I actually grew up trying to make games and landed on a lot of the same notes they did. So, anyways. Wow, disgusting. Uh, since since I <laughs> I have disgusting. You know, like like George. actual nuanced tastes and and generally enjoy well-made media of whatever whatever genre and tastes i've also been playing through bayonet on hard mode it's still good 
Um, I'm planning Great. on doing a big review out of it, which means I got to take notes on the bad stuff now. Not a lot, oh, though, no. but oh. there's like one room in the very beginning of Bayonetta that I'm sure people have played through it know where you can't advance unless you use torture attacks on three enemies, which means you have to build meter. Yo, I didn't buy the thing that makes you build meter by dancing at them just yet faster, so I fuck that room. That's like probably the only thing I have on my on my list of notes of bad things so far besides some of the QTs being bullshit which is something that reviewers yeah, I mean, noticed back in the day no game is no game is perfect Bayonetta comes what, close though but it's not <laughs> god I just can't believe that I've, after I've gone through this game almost five times and the first cutscene still cracks me up I don't know if you guys have seen the first cutscene of Bayonetta right, Matt you really nothing. need to this happened past the part where the Xbox red ringed but oh, there's this okay. there's this character <laughs> you mean named, right at the beginning right yeah yeah when you finish uh fighting the the demons who are closing on 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 you while you're on top of a clock tower falling through time and space in slow motion there's a character named enzo who's like the love child between joe pesci and danny devito and his mannerisms talked about this last podcast God, that guy cracks me up every time i can't not laugh at him and i was surprised to see after watching this cutscene five times over the past like five years like i was still just just giggling like a fat chubby baby at, at this character this this hilarious well written funny beautiful character of well a man. written in a platinum game holy yes. crap <laughs> No, Bayonetta is like smarter than people give it credit for. I think same deal with MGR. Anyways, no, I uh, fucking love MGR's writing. Actually, now that I think about, about being smarter than people give credit for, we'll be back with some news after this break. But after the break, but after the break, but. Welcome back to the TLVG podcast. I yeah. God, I wish I could be that excited about <laughs> this week's news. Um, well, what is even this hear, week's news? Sonic. First story is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh yeah. So, so you guys ever Google yourself the Hedgehog? Yes. Now you don't have to because you can just make yourself the Hedgehog, and mm-hmm. in, in <laughs> Sonic Forces. Sonic. Sonic forces, Sonic farces. Yeah, there's there's character editor. People farces. are uh, really, really excited about making their own the hedgehog. Although, uh, or the wolf, or the rabbit, or other, the cat, or the dog, or the bear, or the bird. Other furry personas that players can create include, yeah, basically those ones that I said all, already. <laughs> All, all the animals that come to the top of your head when you think about animals and also hedgehogs. Mm. A little, little disappointed that that there's no option for chameleon in here. Alligator. Because, bee. Yeah. I'm looking cat. at the beginning oh, wait, of no, there are cats. They, no, yeah, they'll let us be a big the cat clone, but they won't let us be fucking whatever the hell his name was, Razor the Echidna, or no, not Echidna. No, Knuckles chameleon. Was the, Who is the chameleon? The 
Who's the chameleon? Just a Chad? I don't know. Chad the chameleon? Chad the chameleon? I'm going to search Chad <laughs> That's just the name that popped in my head because it begins with C-H. I, I don't know. There's Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Talking Chad chameleon 6.9.1 for Android. Posting the screenshot for you guys to see. <laughs> That's my Sonic OC. Wow. Are there, they're, are there they're, any... really, they're really going for this uh, generations thing, huh? Mm. Really, really pushing on that, banking on that, uh, that one success they had with having Midget Sonic and Tall Sonic. That's uh, yeah. You could have a scouter. It's funny. I you don't... can check uh, Sonic's scouter uh, power level. What is the scouter scam on his power level? It's over nine thousand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it does. Like, what? You totally could get Oof. a scout. Yeah, I'm trying to watch through the trailer right now. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> really trying. In the beginning. It's in the beginning. It, like, when yeah, it goes I up saw, to the I face. Yeah. Yeah. The comparisons with generations keep cropping up, but it's kind of hard to see. Like, a lot of the trailer footage has always been taking place in this, like, red, brown, bombed out city that that just looks, like, weirdly Attack less on Titan. polished. Then, uh, <laughs> he looks like Attack on Titan. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like Attack on Titan. The fucking OC character has like a, a, a grappling hook shit, and there's like giant things destroying the city, and it's like kind of too grimdark for its own good. Yeah, when I think of Sonic Generations, I don't think of grimdark. Like, it's in the second half of that game when you get to the Apocalypse City stages from Sonic 06, and they really try to bury those. Uh,. Yeah, the, the imagery of Sonic like blasting his way through an apocalyptic city is is something that happened once, and everyone tried to forget until now. Apparently, usually the yeah. city is like sunny and happy and and not falling apart. I just I'm not understanding why they're choosing to go with this like heavy looking theme for this game, like. <laughs> It seems like the whole, uh, I get, like, maybe they're doing a Fast and Furious thing where they're so self-aware that they're like, let's just make it as stupid as we possibly can. But this looks as stupid this as they can possibly like make garbage. it. garbage. And I rarely say that. Like, this looks like garbage. I mean, totally, that, that, totally that, garbage. Yeah, I'm but, sure the gameplay is what Sonic people you, like. The Avatar that? dress up, like, part, do you see that? Like, the... The assets for that? Like, that looks like garbage. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you George, said go. that about Code Vein. Code Vein? the actual gameplay that. trailer of Code Vein looks so... Maybe it was Jimmy. That was Jimmy. I said, I said Code Vein looks Code okay. Vein? But okay. I'm an anime Code, dude. Code Vein gameplay trailer looks okay. The I still think it's... Let's not get out to Code Vein again. <laughs> We're going to again. Code Vein. Every time I think of Vayne, I think about League of Legends, and it makes me want to go yeah. play another game. Don't do it. Don't do it, buddy. <laughs> uh, so I never Speaking installed it back. I just of upcoming it. games that look only okay. Um, let's uh, let's let's talk a bit about Destiny, if we're capable. Okay. Yay! Destiny Two PC. Like, yeah, Destiny Two is on PC, and it's on. It's gonna be on BattleNet. Which is Which apparently is positive for you. What? I'm I'm down. I'm way down. Wait a minute. Destiny's on Battle.net? It makes yeah. sense when you remember that Blizzard is technically Activision Blizzard nowadays. Yeah. Whoa. They are 
gonna have a lot of good games on damn well that's if destiny 2 is a good game well it's probably it's probably people are gonna play the hell out of it let's probably probably don't like the tone they're trying to strike with this uh reveal trailer i look at it i've only seen a couple of trailers for destiny 2 and i was just watching my twitter feed today about the uh the news on it here's the thing some people me and some people were discussing on twitter about why i think that why Battle.net, I, because I'm not calling it the Blizzard app. It is Battle.net. <laughs> it is. I, I'm with Why? you on this one. <laughs> it's still listed as Battle.net on Blizzard, Blizzard if you go on there and look through things that are the, it's specifically, oh, you'll be able to work on the Battle.net team. How self-indulgent but, um, do you have to be yeah. to call your digital storefront the U app? <laughs> Shout out to Uplay. Anyway, um, so... People are like, well, why should like, why are you, why is it a selling point that it's on Battle.net and not Steam or something? And it's like, well, first of all, I, I already use Battle.net. I played Diablo three, I played uh, World of Warcraft for a while, and I play Overwatch, so it's already sell. But Battle.net does a good job of making the games that you play on there have last ability and long term value. Like I bought Diablo three five years ago when it came out. They just had their five year anniversary like a few days ago, and it is more so now a valuable game to me than it was when I bought it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because they keep doing these integrations where, like, oh, if you play, you know, play Overwatch or play whatever, like, you'll get some little items that'll make your, your Diablo experience different. Or if you play Diablo, it makes some, give you some items that make your fucking World of Warcraft experience different. It's usually cosmetics, but, like, in a very stylized world that Blizzard makes for all their games, cosmetics go a long way because they're usually really pretty. And I'm, I love the visual style of Destiny already. And if they start doing shit where it's like, oh, if you play Destiny 2, uh, whatever power double XP weekend or whatever they're going to do, you'll get some sort of like little hovering Destiny bot pet for Diablo. That's something that I like. Like, I don't know. I know a lot of people think that stuff is vapid, and that's fair, but, like, the only things on Steam that they do that with are Dota 2 and TF2, and I'm well out of the realm of playing TF2 anymore, and I have no interest in playing a MOBA in Dota 2. So, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would probably have played it on Steam because I kind of want to give Destiny 2 a shot, but having it on Battle.net is much more interesting, in my opinion. Plus, Blizzard has killer servers most of the time, so, so you know. Oh man, this is well. If you also like the look and aesthetics of Destiny, you might be kind of disappointed when seeing this reveal trailer that I saw. Granted, I didn't like watch the, well, why? the thirty plus why minute you? reveal stream, but I, I did see a two minute reveal trailer that. The aesthetics and the tone of this just like really rub me the wrong way. They're they're going for a sense of humor that feels really weirdly out of place from characters who are trying to be funny, even though they don't look funny. And the color scheme is still really like gray and brown and foggy and and full of depth of field and debris around. But there's a character who looks like some badass robot assassin who's talking with like the rubbery voice of of a comedian. He he kind of sounds like a more slender. He's always like Chris that, Farley. Though. But you I haven't mean, played remember, the big, you haven't played Destiny One though, so I've, you're talking from chunks s- of it, and I remember it taking itself fairly seriously, but still cracking a joke every now and then. Whereas the trailer, the tone of this trailer 
is comedic. It's like juxtaposing a funny guy against a serious guy with this like incredibly yeah. it's doing it in like a a way that feels weirdly modern Marvel to me. Like, like Deadpool. Yeah, it's it's doing it in a way that like feels kind of generic and easy while real generic, easy action movie music is playing in the background because they fired Marty O'Donnell because apparently he might have been kind of an asshole. But anyways, yeah, no, I don't know. Like the artistry of it just seems like it's not it, it might be going someplace away. You mean from what, though? Because this just looks like a Destiny 2 to me. Well, Destiny... Because literally his character, that is his character. And, like, and Des- don't get me wrong, like like Destiny he is, is never is serious. When super- I say he's never, se- he is never serious. He's always like that. His character is Nathan Fillion. It, it he is like <laughs> yeah, that's, he that's the word pit- I was like, trying to come up with. That's what he does. Like so, so when so you see him in a trailer, yes, he's going to be Nathan Fillion. I'm just saying. I'm just gonna. I'm coming from yeah, a guy no, who's I, played I the games. Yeah, I'm coming from a guy who played the game. So, like, I I played through the expansion pack. <laughs> He's that's the way he is. Like, like I get it. I get what you're saying, but yeah. like, I don't know if that's I, like the reason to like say the whole game is going to be bad. Not to say but, that I really care for the game, but remember I think how, it'd be uh, a little affair. The Destiny title art would have like some beautiful mandala of. Of, of circles with concentric triangles forming a pattern behind it. And then the logo for this one is just like a generic serif font with a big two behind generic serif font that says destiny. Mm, uh, I don't know. Like I, mm. for me, like I see what I, what I, when I, when I say I, I see destiny two, I don't see anything new. I just see destiny two. Like that's what it always looked like to me. That's why I'm always I'm just gonna wait and see if they kind of fix a lot of the issues that I had with with the first one. But like I could understand why you wouldn't be interested. I mean I mean you didn't like you didn't really play through Destiny One, so why would yeah, you be interested in a, a number two? I played like, it it's a couple literally times, a humongous but it, expansion. It wasn't pack. enough to hook me. It came off very dry. It, but but it had a real pretty map screen. <laughs> he links a Discord. Link to the I literally posted a screenshot <laughs> same of way. the real pretty <laughs> map screen. Just to give you some context, uh, uh, audience. With the amount of times, at least in the past like two months, that we've linked stuff in the Discord to like visualize what we're talking about, we might as well just make, we should have just made this a video podcast. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, just, just Google image search Destiny map screen. To uh, know what happens when I close my eyes and think of at least Destiny had good art in my head. Because Destiny still does have good art. It's still got the cool looking fucking people. Honestly, Destiny I like. great though. Especially on a console, uh, yeah. it was looking free. Like the, the areas were fantastic. I was I was wild constantly. And I'm a PC Master Race type of type of dude with my graphics i love it to be nice and crisp and it, it was actually looking pretty good now i'm, I'm playing on next gen consoles i'm not playing on 360 or anything like that so uh your mileage may, may vary depending on which one you, you played it on but so, i think right. pc is just gonna make it look really good um mm. i'm willing to give it a chance for sure um yeah i think, but I'm, I think if I'm you didn't like destiny one you might not like destiny two 
Speaking of games from three years ago. Okay. Uh, nice. The Witcher is going to be getting a Netflix series. I'm down with I heard that. about this. And, and yeah, I'm down. apparently we all hope that Mads Mikkelsen gets to play Geralt, but I don't know. We'll see. I just saw a nice tweet that was yeah, like rumors are that abound. showed Mads Mikkelsen looking like Geralt. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sure. I have no stakes in the Witcher universe, so if they fuck it up, I won't know. Uh, oh, I, I might be missed. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like Netflix it's has great. A, they they usually don't fuck up the properties that they partner with and yes. what's really weird for me and what might throw a lot of fans for a loop here is that this actually has nothing to do with the games believe it or not mm-hmm. except for the roundabout uh uh butterfly effect process of the witcher suddenly turning into a worldwide brand because of the games this is going to be built in collaboration with the author, the novel author, Andrew Sapowski, oh, and right. not CDPR. Oh. However, it is also going to be made in collaboration with a Polish animation studio called Platige that did make the CGI intros for the games. <laughs> but the actual CDPR team are not involved, which Ooh. is going to be weird, but still okay. They were, I love this well, passive-aggressive quote from Andrzej Sapkowski, the author. I'm thrilled that Netflix will be doing an, an adaptation of my stories, staying true to the source material and themes that I've spent over 30 years writing. Fucking totally like... The fact staying is, true to the themes that I broke my back over. I hope he's over happy because this would not be happening if they hadn't made three good games based off of... Also based off of his his novels, he he yeah. he's a complete idiot if he thinks that that the Witcher games didn't help him. I mean, we talked about this already, but but, it, but at least at least he, he wrote some good stories. In, is and, it and real life or is it CG? Make good stories. Wait, what's that? Is it real life or is it CG? Uh, not totally confirmed yet. But the vibe I get from this uh, Eurogamer article seems to describe it as. Like CG heavy real life, like like Game of Thrones, I guess would okay. be an easy imagination to parallel it with. Uh, I hope they got the budget. Like I, I have Netflix just for the original shows. Like it's come to that point where their originals are that good. Yeah, Thirteen Reasons Why. Like all these shows that just pop up, like great house of cards house of cards like how so much um yeah, i don't yeah. even i i bought it because i wanted to watch other shows but apparently the originals were good so i i hope that the witcher series netflix is very originals well on there. tend to be good they're working with the author of the original witcher novels whose stories tend to be really fucking good um you know what else the netflix did that was an adaptation that was really good was uh they did series of unfortunate events a few months back, I liked them. I liked them quite a bit. You, I don't know. I didn't get into them. I, I didn't think it was bad. I just, I don't know. They're not, not perfection, but like outclass the movie. I'd say. Oh, okay. Well, when you say which that. is not a hard buy to set, hard, high bar, hard buy, yeah. high bar to set, but like, I mean, Neil Patrick Harrison, they, he's he's a fine looking young gentleman, but. That was the only thing the movie did better was Jim Carrey was a better Olaf, but like yeah, the rest of the everything else was really good. And Nef- bottom line, Netflix is good at doing this kind of shit. Like they fumbled a few. Like I know people didn't like Iron Fist, but they <laughs> love Jessica Jones Iron and Luke Punk. Cage. 
Oh my gosh, that that show is the worst of the Marvel series. It, but, I'm sorry. But usually the Netflix original series is released pretty good. No, good, they're great. Right? I watch yeah. all of them. Right. I watch and, and all as, of them. As, yeah, as long as this is like a pretty good adaptation of The Witcher, I think that'll be enough to satisfy fans. But there's a couple quotes from uh, two of the producers that has me like almost expecting something better and getting a little hype. And that is uh, from from uh Pl- platije producers um apparently their names are sako and bidginski uh anyways quote is there is a moral and intellectual depth in these books that goes beyond genre it is a story about today and today's challenges hidden under a fantasy cover it is a story about us about the monster and the hero inside all of our hearts and that that's that's a good quote about the witcher mm. that's like like, like th- that strikes me as a quote from a guy who quote unquote gets it, you know, like, like something yeah. beyond, like we're hoping to make an exciting and adventurous and mature dark fantasy epic for adults next summer. This is, this is instead being a guy who's like, okay, we're going to try to actually capture the actual art behind, behind this thing and, and what makes it unique instead of being mm-hmm. a usual, uh, an, uh, yet another entry into the fantasy genre. And and for people who are unfamiliar with Netflix, um, thinking that, oh, Geralt's not going to be able to do, or, I mean, well, whoever the main character is, uh, the show's not going to be able to show everything, all the dark things. No, you will. Netflix, uh, you could do anything on there. Um, if you ever watch Sense yeah, the series eight, can go as long. The series can go as long as they want it to. Yeah, the the, the sex scenes can go as long as they want it to. Exactly, <laughs> you can do anything on there. Um, if, if we don't get a if we don't get a scene of of PC gamers' favorite picture bathroom lounging yes. bathtub Geralt's, I'll be disappointed. Oh my god, I don't even play the games, and I'll be disappointed. Oh my god, the fact that that's like the first frame of The Witcher Three is like. Like, that so nicely sets the tone apart from this usual sort of thing, copyright. It's like, instead of instead of being like an angry guy on a bloody battlefield, it's just like a goofy-looking guy taking a goofy-looking bath. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This, this, uh, these guys seem like the kind of people who would want to capture, like, the humor and the, uh, the, 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 the humane side of of what could otherwise be marketed as as like your typical gritty dark fantasy. Oh yeah. It would be so easy to turn the Witcher into that and that's that's I guess what what it, I hope they don't do. Anyways, uh, for people who's listening, uh, another picture was another put screen. into the Discord. <laughs> yeah, I I just I linked the PC Gamer tweet that just says the Witcher is heading to Netflix and of course it has fucking bathtub G- Geralt just sitting there. <laughs> Lounging. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, respect. <laughs> yep. I Absolute love, respect. <laughs> I love that they will never stop using this picture. <laughs> they, I, I don't know how, how well-versed you guys out there listening are at PC Gamer's use of this picture, but PC Gamer, anytime they post anything about The Witcher, the... The thumbnail picture is Geralt in the bathtub with his feet all up in the camera because ang- angry nerds get so uncomfortable by naked man 
that they keep saying stop using it and PC Gamer just keeps using it to get on their nerves. I hope that when the actual Witcher Netflix series comes out and they start posting articles about that, this is the picture. I hope that when, like, Cyberpunk 2088 comes out and they post pictures about that, they're just going to use this same image of Geralt in the bathtub. When when Gwent comes out, they better use it. When, uh... (laughs) When when whatever comes out after Cyberpunk, maybe then the joke will finally get old. Until then, though, keep doing it. That's my advice. Yep. So speaking of advice, I, I, I have little to no advice that relates to the phrase keep doing it, because evidently we aren't going to keep doing it. <laughs> Jesus here Christ, on the man. Damn. Podcast. Damn, the worst segue. Oh. Yeah, wow. God, that stung a little bit. Uh, well, if you want to keep doing it in a different way, you can keep heading over to my Twitter <laughs> at SunderCR or my YouTube channel youtube.com slash SunderGamer. Um, and if you want to keep doing it even more, keep you can go it. check out Super Bunny Hop on oh, YouTube, yeah. aka at Bunny Hop even Show, more. and at Matt Visual, aka youtube.com slash Matt Visual, for all the good stuff that we make on occasion. Yes, um, making the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. Next episode will be uh, the last. Next, the, the last episode. <laughs> You can't say that in a tribes. sexy voice. <laughs> no, I was saying it slow. I wasn't even trying to be sexy. You, <laughs> you, you, it sounded like well, I don't. It's hard to tell the difference with you, Matt. You're just so sexy by default. Oh yes, of course. Well, um, you're gonna miss this sexy voice uh, <laughs> uh, next time. <laughs> 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 podcast.